Hello and welcome to Morning Prayer at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, New Jersey. Today is Thursday and this is the seventh week after Pentecost. This week we are focusing our attention on the Gospel reading for the coming week, a reading in which Jesus teaches his disciples that life is more than acquiring an abundance of possessions. Our theme for this week is Jesus' disciples learn to invest in God's kingdom. We begin our time of prayer in silence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Give glory to God, our light and our life. O come, let us worship and praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to the Lord with psalms. For you, Lord, are a great God and a great ruler above all gods. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. In your hands are the caverns of the earth. The heights of the hills are also yours. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For the Lord is our God. And we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by a son. A reading from Luke chapter 12, this morning, reading from verse 16 through verse 20. Then Jesus told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, What should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? The story has always troubled me. It has bothered me because it basically describes at least a portion of the American dream, or maybe the plot line of the American work life. What most people I have met dream of and work very hard for, is a day when they have enough goods stored up for many years and they can take their ease. They can enjoy eating and drinking and being merry. A form of the American dream is to acquire more than enough early enough in life that we can enjoy the life and fruits of our accumulated wealth. In this short parable, Jesus sounds like he is speaking directly against us, calling us out as a nation, as a culture, as a whole society for our misplaced priorities, thinly veiled greed. 
That is why this story has always left me feeling uneasy. What does it mean for us if the entire pattern and goal of our corner of the economy, this is really the goal, the pattern, the dreams of those who are wealthy enough to dream of a day when it is possible for them to accumulate enough wealth that they no longer have to work or worry. What does it mean when that whole pattern and goal of our economy comes under God's judgment? Haven't we ourselves stood at the untimely funeral of a friend or a relative and thought about all the hard work that went into earning their small fortune, only to see it now left into the hands of their undeserving children? Which of us hasn't also been troubled in our soul by the thought that maybe our life's work, successful as it may have been, was still misspent? What life have we brought into the world? What good have we done? And yet, at the same time, underneath it all, when we really talk to human beings, the people that are working and dreaming, when we get behind sort of the surface of this, this kind of eat, drink, and be merry dream, it really isn't greed that drives our desires to accumulate enough to stop working and simply enjoy ourselves. I think it's much more a desire to have our life and our time back to ourselves. I think that's what we have seen in this country coming out of and living through the pandemic. I think we are beginning to recognize in some ways, both the injustice and the futility of the type of work that many of us are forced to do to just make a living, to provide for those we love, to give a better life to our children, or to try to get ahead. The sacrifice of time, of attention, of our physical strength and energy, or the hours spent doing something that we find so inspiring only to have the life zapped out of us by controlling, manipulative bosses in workplaces. In the end, we want to be free. And as long as part of the accumulation of money and possessions is our goal, as long as our dream is to have enough money in the bank to do what we want, we'll actually never be free. You see, our possessions will possess us. And that is what happened to the man in this story. The man in Jesus' story is not condemned for wanting to enjoy life in the abundance of God's grace. There are many places where God invites us into doing just that. In fact, the Sabbath rest itself is the taking the time to not work and enjoy the abundance and riches of God's grace. No, this man is condemned because he thinks that these gifts that come from God have now come to him to possess this abundance alone, and that this abundance, these goods, his own work, his own mind, this thing that has happened, which has just happened as a gift of God, but he thinks that these actually have the power to give him rest and refreshment for his soul. It's a kind of warped and twisted vision of God's kingdom in the Sabbath because it is his idolatry that condemns him. 
and it is in his idolatry that he is exposed as living a life just in the power and bondage and slavery of sin and death and meaninglessness itself. So you see, while the man is faithful to his idol and puts all of his faith and trust in the store of goods that he has laid up, those possessions cannot save him from the power of death, and they do not care for him in the least, and he does not care who enjoys them. The one who worked or the one who received them after the man's work, even though he may be a fool and may have never done anything. What a poor and cruel God money is and how it leaves us empty and dead. And yet, so many people bow down faithfully to worship money, possessions, and all the good that they bring. They worship this over the God who created them, blessed them with life and all the abundance of God's good creation that made them heirs with Christ, that made them a little lower of the angels, that breathed their God's own spirit into their body, that communicates with them, that loves them, and blesses them with all that is needed for life in this world, and life in the world that God is bringing about through the resurrection of Christ. A God who truly does love and care for us, and care that it is we who enjoy all of God's goodness and benefits in God's good creation, and in fact has set aside a whole entire day for us all to simply delight and love and worship of God for all God has given us. The man in the story is foolish because he worships his possessions and lets himself be taken captive by their accumulation. Jesus tells this tale to warn his disciples against making such a foolish mistake themselves. Instead, Jesus challenges us to answer this question. When God blesses you with an abundance of goods that will last for years to come, how will you use them? How will you respond? Will you remain faithful to God and thankful? Will you use them according to God's purposes? What will you do with all of this stuff so that it can bear witness to and express a love and allegiance to the God who loved you and called you his own? What will you do with all of this stuff in Jesus' name to bring life and to give life and to share life with the world? In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of Israel. You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of your servant David. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Through your holy prophets, you promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us, to show mercy to our forebears and to remember your holy covenant. This was the oath you swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship you without fear, holy and righteous before you, all the days of our life. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way, to give God's people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, 
and to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. O Lord be with you. Let us pray. Mighty God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn, bringing the glory of our risen Lord who makes every day new. Especially we thank you for the sustaining goodness of your creation, for the new creation in Christ and all gifts of healing and forgiveness, for the communion of faith in your church, for the gift of relationship with others. For what else are we thankful? Merciful God of might, renew this weary world. Heal the hurts of all of your children and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Especially we pray for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land, for the people, the ministries, the leaders of St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, for those who govern the nations of the world, for people in countries ravaged by strife or warfare, for all who work for peace and international harmony, and for all who strive to save this earth from carelessness and destruction. For who else? For what else do we pray today? We give thanks to you, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have protected us through the night from all harm and all danger. We ask that you would protect us today from sin and all evil, so that our life and actions may please you. Into your hands we commend ourselves, our bodies, our souls, and all that is ours. Let your holy angels be with us, so that the wicked foe may have no power over us. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honor all people. Love and serve God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.